Philly Soccer Show. I'm KOW News Radio's Greg Willandini, Philly Soccer page writer Mike Cervetio. It's the first show of 2019, and Matt DeGeorge of the Delco Times joins us. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for 2019, covering the Philadelphia Union for you, the listeners. We're clamoring for union coverage, and we're here to give it to you in the studio with me from the Delco Times, as always, Matt DeGeorge, and best co-host in Philadelphia Soccer Twitter. There was a delay there. I thought yeah, I think he might have I, forgotten my name for a second. Mike Cervetio. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, we're here starting a new year. There goes Matt Leon, our sports anchor for KOW. We, invi- we invited Matt Leon, and there he goes with his there coat he goes. out the he door. Could, <laughs> he couldn't run out the door fast enough. Um, you can only have one Matt on a podcast. Oh. Well. well, it gets confusing. Uh, anyway, so we're here after the union to make the unprecedented move of ditching all of their draft picks for cash. So that is that the death knell of the MLS draft right there? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know that the union have the power to kill the draft. <laughs> not. If the union haven't killed MLS, they're probably not going to kill the draft just now. Um, uh, yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, it's 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 something new. I, I'm grateful for it because it freed up my last Friday afternoon and then Monday afternoon this week. I didn't have to... We're not in here trying to pretend like we know anything about <laughs> college kids. Who... That was always one of my favorite podcasts was like looking up the guys like six minutes before. Right. And right. Go, oh, yeah. yeah, he played, oh, yeah. He played yeah. West Virginia. And, yeah. and everybody <laughs> pretending that this guy is totally not going to get cut by the middle of February. <laughs> or in some instances, there were guys who didn't even who didn't even make the plane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there, there, there's been it, those drafts. Oh, yeah. absolutely. That, it saves a lot of time, I think, with us talking to Jim Curtin about, you know, Jim Curtin not having to act as though some of these guys are actually going to make the team <laughs> when in reality yeah. we know that they're not. And, and I think um, er, uh, uh, Ernst Tanner made that point that these guys were kind of roster blockers in a way. Like you have these kids in the academy that you're happy about and they're moving, you know, progressing the way you want them to progress and you got them at an age where you can kind of affect their progression and things like that and you Bring in a 23-year-old rookie who probably doesn't have as many games under his belt as these academy kids and, 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 and developed think, in a different way. And I, I, I think that that's a good point from Ernst and just that the way that it's changed over the last, like, three years, especially in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. where, you know, you have guys on the roster that are 19 and 20 and starting at center back for you last year, whereas three years ago those guys were 15 and 16 and, and not making that jump. So the academy class being old enough to play in the MLS changes it for the union. Yeah. Yeah, and you have guys the big thing is the I think the climate issue of kids that are playing in college are not in a full-time intensive environment every year. So one year of, you know, Matt Real playing with Steel. Matt Real's got two professional years under his belt playing with Steel and then last year with the Union is equal to how many years of him being in mm-hmm, college right. when you only have that, you know, the four months in the in the fall where you're focused on winning games, and then you know you have spring, you have spring stuff. You're yeah. you're keeping you're in the weight room, you're training, but it's not the same. It's not no. an everyday environment. And, 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 so that it gets to yeah. the player maturity at that age as well. And, and guys go to teams like Reading and the you know, Ocean City and stuff like that and get get time, but still, I don't think that's the substitute for being like you said in that intensive environment in the academy where you're getting. You're just you're just getting the attention from the staff. You're getting the knowledge. You're getting the experience. You're getting you know the experience of playing in USL, which is a professional league. And, you could argue that Mark McKenzie got more experience in his one year with the Union than he would have in four 
in four years in college in terms of the the real experience mm-hmm. and the really deliberate practice and and the practical application of those things. And I think the big thing this year with the union and you know we can talk what about what this move portends for the future of the super draft, but Ernst Tanner made the point on the call the night that he made the trade that there were only eight players in the draft that were younger than age 22. There are eight players on the union that are mm-hmm. under contract to say nothing of, you know, in addition to Selmir Miscic at, at uh, Bethlehem Steel that are under 21 years of age. And if you look at it roster-wise, you've got a young right back, a young left back, two young center backs, a young goalie, two young midfielders, and you're arguably your two most prominent prospects, I think, still left in the system are another big center back and Issa Ryan, mm-hmm. Rayon, I'm going to say his name yeah. wrong, who's a winger. So you don't have a lot of need at any one of those positions for another young guy. So why why go in the draft and why you'd basically be buying a lottery ticket to try and get one of these guys? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I think there was only about 60-some guys picked out of the, you know, four times however many teams we're up to in MLS now, it's 24, after everybody passes and it's all said and done, you still have those guys in that kind of late round range of like, you know, Jack Elliott was what, the 74th pick? There wasn't 74 guys picked. So if in theory there's a Jack Elliott still out there, there's probably about a 50-50 chance that he didn't get picked and you could still do your targeted scouting and say, this is a guy that we can bring in because he has, you know, X principles and we can coach those up and we can fix the weaknesses and maybe he can be a contributor. Those guys are still technically out there anyway, and they're free to sign. So mm-hmm. you got 150 grand at least for that. Can I ask you guys what did you think of 150 grand? Is that the going rate for five draft picks? I mean, I said to you guys before we started, it's probably one draft pick because the first round draft right. pick is the only one that's worth any money. Yeah, I would think that to get into the first round would probably be about 100 grand. To get into the second round would be somewhere between 25 and 50, yeah. and then the rest of the the rest of it's right. whatever. And they basically gave you money and two picks they didn't even use. Or I think at least one pick, I think, uh, Cincinnati they passed on. So, I mean, they gave you money for something they didn't even like, use. I mean, you can't afford all those plane tickets in Cincinnati. <laughs> you, can't, you can't bring in 18 guys. You have to get a party bus. Those are expensive. So, um, I've flown into that airport. It's and, small. And, and, yes, yeah. uh, but I actually like Cincinnati Airport. And it's, ama- <laughs> and it's amazing to, to say this about the union because it's where we have, but I, I really think they're ahead of the curve on how they're handling the draft and especially and they talk about how strong their academy is and we're seeing some of the fruits now we're seeing McKenzie and Trusty and you know I think Real is probably going to be on the field more than than he was last year obviously and we're seeing all this going to come to fruition for them at least start to finally and 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 I think I said to both of you guys like just when we were texting about this I, I think the error in the MLS of the 22 year old rookies probably coming to an end. I mean, you made the point about there's these guys that are out there that you know didn't get picked, and uh, Matt, uh, and you know, there's a pool of guys you can pull from, and that's fine. And I think, you know, odd, you know you'll there's have odds. There's going to be diamonds end. in the rough there. Right, you're going to have odds and ends where, but just to rely on, you know, first-round pick who's 21, 22, maybe 23 coming by the time the season starts, and he, he's a guy that, you know, when you're going to see these more teams – that have academies, that have USL teams, that can mm-hmm. get a guy when he's kid, when he's fifteen and mold him the way they want want him instead of getting a guy at twenty two who's I mean he's finished product. I mean, you know who was Wayne Rooney when he was twenty two, twenty three. I mean he he had you know 
he had Champions League experience. He had he had Premier League trophies. He had he didn't, he didn't have hair though. He didn't have hair. <laughs> Less hair. Uh, much less hair. But, you know, I mean, he's an extreme case, obviously. But just to look at a guy like Wayne Rooney, who was, uh, what was he at 23? He was fully formed, one of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at 23, he was drunk and belligerent in, a, in an airport. <laughs> Wait, it's 33. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. But I think what you're going to see is. To his defense, that's just, I mean, that's just, you know, Liverpool on that's Wednesday. Just, yeah, I was going to say. I mean, <laughs> I mean also, who hasn't, Scousers will be Scousers. Also, take the who, hasn't been, who hasn't been really angry at Dulles at some point in their lives? Um, but, you know. Air travel's brutal. I, don't know, but yeah, I digress. But I think you're going to see, I think what you're going to start seeing is a tiering system with homegrowns. So mm-hmm. more of the players are going. I would like to think that the guys that go the college route and are late bloomers are going to always, I hope, have some kind of, maybe this is me being sentimental, but I hope they're always going to have some kind of a, a place in MLS at some point. And we are in a, in a, you know, if we look at the U.S. national team roster, there are still a handful of those guys. Keegan Rosenberry is a four-year college guy. Mm-hmm. Daniel Lovitz, who's a Philadelphia guy who I had the opportunity to profile a couple weeks ago, is a guy that had one Division One offer coming out of college, went to Elon, and is now in camp with the U.S. national team. And I would love to say that those guys are always going to have some kind of a place, but they are going to be increasingly rare, and I think that their pathway forward is going to depend on the increasing professionalization of USL and Mm -hmm. minor leagues, and that's probably going to be their pathway. I think what you're going to see more of is kind of the hierarchy of who the kids are coming out of academies. So you're going to, I think, start to see the union, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're already identifying these guys this way as saying, okay, so this is – so the cream of the crop, this is the Selmir Mischiches and um, and Brendan Aronson, which are the guys we have to lock down before they're out of the academy. Mm-hmm. Then the next level is the guys like Jones and Trusty and McKenzie who, okay, they can finish high school, but they we're never going to get them to college. They're going to stay with us. Then the next level are going to be the guys that go to college, like Issa Rayon, uh, I guess McKenzie falls in this category, who go to college, and then they're developing well enough, we bring them back. And then the next tier, and I think the Red Bulls have done this well, are going to be guys that go through their four years of college, and then afterwards they come back with the institutional knowledge of being, you know, playing at Reading, playing at, you know, training with Steel. Those are the guys that are going to be able to fight for their place at Steel, maybe work their way up. And that's the way you're going to kind of tear mm-hmm. all of this. But it's all going to come out of the system. Right. And I think you're going to see that now. So this year, you see that with Zach Zandy because Zach Zandy is basically that kind of guy. He signed for a steel deal, and he's going to be that kind of mentor to some of the younger kids. I wouldn't be surprised if there's other homegrowns down the line. Uh, Sebastian Elney is a guy that, I guess when he was a freshman, everyone was really high on. He never really took the steps at, at Maryland to take those really positive steps forward and be the draft pick everyone thought he would be. But maybe he's a guy who comes back to steal and fights for his place. And, you know, strikers are mm-hmm. weird. Sometimes they peak in their late 20s. Right. Maybe he has that kind of a, a pathway. I think you're going to see those pathways open up. And as the tent gets bigger for American soccer, you're going to see more of those opportunities, whether it's at the second division level or or things like that or, or you know, just bigger MLS rosters where you can stow guys and, and wait for them to kind of grow. Yeah, I, I think, you, you know, I think you hit on a lot of things. I think uh, – I think there is going to be a sea change in MLS. I think you're seeing, it, and I think it's just probably just a lot more cost effective to just do it all in house and have these guys around and track all these guys and again and get you know kind of get what you want to do 
on the senior team in their DNA as early as you can. And like I said, even if it's a guy that's there, goes to college, gets his feet wet there, comes back, goes to the steel, get you know, works through that way, you at least he at least knows what the team wants from him instead of just dropping somebody, you know, in the middle of it. And it's and it's unfair to like these college guys that are getting dropped in because they're gonna be surrounded by players that have that advantage, that have been with the team in the academy system since 15, 16, 17, and have moved through, or at least, you know, you know in that situation. Um, but it does, and we, we talked to this before we started, it does lead to this next question, though. This team still needs players. I mean, they are, with all these the deals they move, moving Keegan, not uh, uh, getting, getting a, a body back for him, Um. You know, Jay Simpsons in the world are gone. I mean, you know, no, no huge loss, but that's that's a human being that was on your roster at one point. And I, I can confirm Jay Simpson was a human being. <laughs> right. Still is in some corners. More or less. Uh, yes. But you're, you know, you, you kind of. Did he, get a gig? Did he get a gig in England? He's still working out with guys. He was working out with Leighton Orient. And I, I saw some tweets from them that said that he was interested in, in maybe going back to the football league. Yeah, because Leighton they're, they're Orient not, is in the fifth division yeah, of they're not, they're English not football right now. now. And so he's, he's just I disabled to... my Jay Simpson Google alert. Sorry. <laughs> I, cu- I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I'm sentimental. But I digress. <laughs> um, so in the here and now, I mean, all the cat and all the academy stuff is great. It's fascinating to talk to, and it, like I said, it's looks like it's happening. It's moving in a way that they wanted to. But in the here and now, you know, on March second, they got to they got to put eighteen guys out there. I mean, I get the inclination that they're going to sign another left back yeah. because they they know that Matt Real is going to go to the U twenty World Cup, mm-hmm. um, and Ray Gaddis is not going to be a left back according to Ernst Tanner anymore. No. So I think that's probably still coming. I don't know. There's there was rumors that Earth was out scouting somewhere across the ocean. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're going to see is maybe some stopgap measures. Um, you know, when they traded away the draft, you had to remember that the things that they needed on their roster were not going to come through the draft. They need a backup goalie yeah. who's a veteran and who's ready to play because uh, Andre Blake is going to be away. There's a Gold Cup this year, right? Yes. There's always yeah. a Gold Cup. <laughs> yeah. Andre Blake's going to be away for a little bit, so you're going to need a veteran goalkeeper who is MLS capable. Mm-hmm. You're going to probably yeah. need a veteran center back. I don't, I don't think you're going to go into the season with three center backs all under the age of 24. Uh, so I think you're going to probably find a, a veteran there. You're going to want, I would think, a short-term, maybe one-year loan, two-year deal of someone in their late 20s, early 30s type left back. Uh, who can be impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're going to still need to replace midfield creativity in some way or another, probably on the wing. Um, all you of which you don't think they'll picks. go after a number 10 type player? I mean, there, there's obviously so, going to be changes to the system yeah. that we're not all clear on yet. I think, I don't think so. I, I, it's just I a feeling. I, I don't think so. I don't know that. Just, yeah, I, I mean, know. just the way they, uh, uh, Ernst has talked. About how they want to play, having that kind of that that kind of fulcrum in the middle type player doesn't seem like that's the type of guy they need. I mean, it would be great to keep Oric, and I think he could. He's a good enough player; he could fit in however you play. Maybe not as well as being a pure number ten in a four two three one, but he's still a very good player, and you, you could probably work him in somehow. But you know. Not being a possession team, I mean, he's gone on the record of saying that they're not they're going to be less of a possession team. They're going to be more on the pressing team. So having like just an out and out creator, I don't think is as big a deal. At least doesn't seem 
to be. Yeah, I think you still need some guys who can pull the strings between right. the lines. Yeah. No, I, think, I, can, I, can you, I, I can't think of a guy that's on the team right now that could even fit into that scenario. You, I mean, have, no, I you mean, have a series of eights and sixes. Yeah. Right, and I think, but I do think that if you have a healthy Fafa Pico and a healthy David Akam, you have second strikers who can play off the shoulder of someone like Sergio Santos. Mm-hmm. I also would probably be more inclined if I was in charge and I it's well established that I don't know a ton <laughs> – I would move well established. Well established. Mm. Just, yes. just ask my mentions. Uh, I would move <laughs> towards bringing in a younger number six, who's an elite type out and out guy. I don't think Harris is that guy no. in this system. No. I think Harris is only marginally that guy in the old system anymore. After the way his he's just got a lot of games on his life. He does. And I think and... he can be effective if if. The uh, some of the defensive responsibilities are off yeah. his plate, I mean, and he can he, kind of freelance and hit long balls. Yeah, I, I don't he, see him as the pressing type. No, and, 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 I mean, he, he, I think he can be the pressing type if you constrain him to a very small yeah. type window of field. Yeah. Like if you have him in, in the center circle in a four-one-two-two-one or something like that, where you have him and Bedoya next to each other with a protector there, and then they're kind of. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, well, he, he's the guy. He sits there and just kind of slings the ball, swings balls around. Basically. Yeah, and, he, like, and he's able to press when guys come into his area, which right. is going to be a, a relatively small right. area with a dynamic midfielder behind him, right? Uh, in a role that I think maybe would even suit Derek Jones more. Although I think you'd want to bring in someone to push him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I also think you know that little we split that little role sets a little bit better for uh, guys like Aronson and, uh, yeah, and Fontana, and Fontana, yeah. who are I mean, a little they, bit in between. Guys, yeah, I mean. But, the, yeah, you know, it would be interesting how to use Fontana because, I mean, you talk to Jim and he projects as an eight. He projects as more deep line guy. So maybe you push him even a little deeper to put him into that six. But I, I get what you're saying that you need a, a veteran. You, you'd want a more veteran guy there at least just to shore things up where, for where you. Is, where is the thought of where Aronson ends up this season? Is that a guy that gets more reps than Fontana got last year? I've talked to people that are higher on Aronson coming in than Fon- yeah. than they were on heard, Fontana coming. I've heard in. that too. And yeah. he's much more of a he, creator. Yes, and he also has less of the injury baggage because, yeah. as we recalled at some point last year, Anthony Fontana had fractures in both of his hips. Uh, for a young guy, that's yeah, pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think uh, I don't know where Aronson. I, I I assume Aronson fit as a ten in the old system. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about his game to definitively say. Where he fits in this new system, I haven't haven't seen as many steel games. As yeah, I would and, have liked, and and we're, we're but, t- and we're talking about the yes, new system. No, I, no, I have <laughs> yes, not. You, yes, you have. The last the last steel game I remember watching was the one where Fabian Herber scored, yeah. which I think was the first game up in Montreal. Yeah, yeah, okay. not a lot since then. Yeah. And we're talking about I'm um, doing air quotes here the new system, and we're not 100 percent sure what it is. Is it a four four two? Is it you know, it's, we know. I don't think we're fifty percent sure what it is. Yeah, we're, 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 we know it's not. It's probably not going to be a four-two-three-one, at least not exclusively. I'm pretty sure you're not going to be able to use your hands. And then, short of that, I don't really know. <laughs> that's that's wow. That's the insight we keep bringing you in here for. There you Matt. go. That's just brilliant. Anyway, um, so so it's kind of tough to talk about. You have these pieces when you you don't really know the system yet and how they work, and you know, just going by. You know, kind of picking things here and there from what uh, uh, Tanner says that, you know, they have El Senior, they feel can play in the middle. We've seen that. It's not the best thing. He's more effective on the wing. He's much more effective off the bench. So, you know, as I like to think, 
You know, you, yeah, you get, El Senor doesn't scream high press for right. minute zero. You, you get you know no. you get thirty minute you get re- thirty really good minutes at El Senor no matter how long you play him, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when those thirty minutes exactly are. exactly and 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 when those thirty minutes are good they're better than yeah. just about anyone who's ever played for the union. And there's still a huge uh, and for me there's still a huge question mark over David Akam. I know there was an injury situation with him, but I don't think it explains everything away. With, with with his year last year, I think it explains a lot of it. I, I, a, a portion, yeah. I think you get. Um, I think he's a little bit better in a counterattacking role if he has his full explosiveness that mm-hmm. he can kind of open up and run at defenders and stuff like that. And that the mental aspect of that was lacking last year because the physical aspect of it was lacking for him. Uh, I think it's a calculated risk over the first four months of this season until the summer window opens that he can be that impact player in some way. And I think one of the big things is that you still need, you know, say what you will about how you're going to replace Dogecal as a, you know, positionally, whether you're going to bring in an out-and-out number 10. You need more creativity in midfield, and that mm-hmm. has to come from somewhere. Yeah. And I, 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 don't, I, I don't know where that exactly is going to come from right now. I would think that the wing is a position where you can probably get some, you know, get younger, get better. And uh, certainly, you need to add some depth pieces um, uh, yeah. out wide after you've taken some of them away. Um, I, Especially I, if you've declared Fafa Bako as a striker. Yeah, right. and I don't know how the. I, I think there's a redundancy of assets up top that needs to be sorted out in some way because there's just simply not enough games and, for all these. And guys. it was interesting too. You know, we're talking about Fafa being more of a forward this year, but he really became a second provider on, on the team. I mean, he was really able to provide and, and be a playmaker from the wide wide spot and. Are, are you cutting your nose off to spite your face to get him more time in front of the goal? Where he's not the most clinical finisher, but he's a better passer. So I, you know, it, it's again and again, not knowing how they're how everybody's going to line up. It's a little tough to to say. But you know, if they're going to play him in the middle, get him maybe have him play off of Santos. You know, which I don't even. It's the guy you play off of, though, because you know, again, anybody, everybody looks good on YouTube, but he's a guy who looks like he likes to, you know, he's he's a facing the goal looking. Kind yeah, of I guy. would think he would be yeah. the guy that plays off of somebody. Right. Which I guess, if we are, if we're assuming that there's five forwards, you have Santos, Pico, Akam as the kind of quote unquote second strikers, yeah. and then that would make your primary strikers. Burke, Sapong, uh, and Casper Prisbilko mm-hmm. in that order. I, about I keep forgetting about him. I, but he's I, on the team, isn't he? He is. He, he is. He's he's in the hat. He's he's modeling the hats. How do you forget this? He is the hat model. And, so yeah, and you, you still have Burke, and you think Prisbilko is going to? That's a lot of forwards to have yeah. two of them on the field at once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When on the flip side, your winger. If, if you assume, if we assume that a calm and Pico are in the depth chart as forwards, mm-hmm. then your wingers right now are El Senio. I think I think Akam <laughs> probably moves over to the wing more than Pico does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but Akam is actually, I think, the better finisher and the better out and goal scorer. I agree, but, but, they, just, they, but they told I, us that Pico is right, going to be I, a striker, so that's what I'm Fafa going on. has the ability to... Get to the byline and create for other people. He's going to take that run that gets him to the byline because he can cross better, and I think he can probably he crosses pretty well with both feet. Akam is the guy who, in the same situation, is going to make the darting diagonal run 
right at the goal. Yeah, you know, which, I don't disagree. Which, when he does it well, like he did against Chicago in the one goal he scored this year, was excellent. Right. But so I, I don't know how all those pieces. Right, kind and, of fit and that's that's the frustrating thing. You know, say what you want about the four through three one, we knew it was there, and and we knew kind of. What, Kind of how to plug everybody in, sort of. And Maybe just, they play a four-three-three, which is basically just the same thing that they had this year. Yeah. Only instead of a number ten, you basically have two kind of half eights, which would mm-hmm. be, uh, which maybe, w- yeah, maybe Bedoya, Madunjanin with Jones, Jones behind Jones or Craval. That I mean, that I mean, Craval still here. <laughs> yeah, they resigned him. But yeah. that whole that whole setup. To keep I'm drawing him. so yeah. many diagrams here yeah. with my finger, like it's a, like a manager, I mean, yeah. and it's just absolutely it's very, useless. It's very clear. To it's very no, it's very clear podcast. to us in the studio, though. Uh, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll do. I'll do animations later. <laughs> but if you do puppets, yeah. if you do that, then there's really no spot. I don't think there's a natural spot for Fontana or Aronson anywhere in there. There's not a necessarily a natural spot. For you to go out and say we're going to go get this big impact winger because where are you going to play him? Right. And so it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think unless you get into unless you get into playing with kind of a three five two, which I know you and uh, our friend Kevin Kincaid both advocate for, right? Which I don't know how that would you know again again that's a big adjustment because you have someone like Matt Real who's very young and who's I would venture to guess has only played four two three one his entire life. Mm-hmm. So and same for the reads for. Austin Trusty and Mark McKenzie, same for, you know, I don't, I don't know what Jack Elliott played in college, but I don't know that you're going to play three center backs if you only have three center backs on right. the roster. It gets to be a whole thing. Turn Derek Jones into a center back. He's tall. Mm-hmm. He's tall. Aaron Wheeler. Uh, uh, logic. Aaron Wheeler. That was a yeah. thing that happened. I yeah. remember that. I'm trying to forget that, actually. There, were, there was union games that Aaron Wheeler started up top with Antoine Hopano. Ooh, man, those were good days. Good times. Uh, Hopano's still out there. He's he is. Grinding away. Um Put out quest for tour questions. We got questions. Got two. Uh-huh. One we kind of answered, talking about the two uh, striker system and where does Fafa and Santos and everybody. I think we've kind of beat that into the ground, but thanks, Mike, for uh, reaching out. Um, big signings. What kind of big signings? I don't I know. There's know. been no rumors, right? That's yeah. where Prisbilko's. Are we looking physically, tall? Physically. He's, he's, he's physically he's a large human being, yes. He's big. He's big. I don't know. Um, I, I have not heard. The union linked to any specific names? No. Um, oh, we just got the email next week. Training at Penn Park. Woo-hoo. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's gonna be cold. Oh, that's why it's, we're it's in inside. the bubble. It's in the bubble. <laughs> oh well, good for them. It's still cold in the bubble. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, it's not, not probably not it's not warm in the bubble. Not that much warmer. Um. So yeah, some there's there's news for you. News. There's breaking news, ladies and oh, gentlemen. Broken. Um, I, I don't it, know. It, it, those Balotelli rumors were fun while they lasted. I think everybody in their heart of hearts knew it wasn't going to happen. Man, that would be fun, though. It would have been fun. And it's just having a guy like Mario Balotelli in, in Philadelphia just kind of experiencing life would have been great. Just just the, the Balotelli meets Gritty thing would be oh, just gold. This, you could yeah, the, make... first, the first union social media video where they take him through the Italian market would have been Simultaneously <laughs> great and cringeworthy. Yeah, yeah. Him, him and Fang. Yeah, him, Sword. Fang, and Danny DeVito <laughs> walking through the Italian market. They would look like the weirdest set of rushing nesting dolls you've ever seen in your life. So yeah, those that three days was great. Um, but other than that, I mean, you, like you, we said, we we think that there's going to be a left back signing, right? Um, they're probably a winger creative midfielder type player short. So Absolutely. There's, 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 I don't, is it going to be there's a DP? Needs. 
There's needs for sure. Is it going to be a DP? uh, I think you have the flexibility to do that because your DPs now are just Bedoya and uh, Bedoya and Akam. Yeah. So you're yeah. pl- you're paying two guys a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, you have extra allocation money. I don't think you're going to pay a left back a million dollars. Probably. Um, no. You know the one thing that I would I would say is that at this point last year, uh, most Union fans probably didn't know who Boric Dochkal was. I think I only had, you know, again don't know much, but I only had a faint glimmer of that name from. Mm-hmm international soccer and he turned out to be pretty good yeah and i think that uh i think ernst tanner's scouting networks in some of the places of the world in in africa particularly and in some of the smaller european markets are even deeper and more vast than ernie stewart's were and i think that you're going to see him pull off moves that maybe are not going to wow you name wise but when you dig into it it's going to be uh, it's mm-hmm. it's going. They're going to be productive guys, and I think Sergio I, Santos, being a guy who was being chased by top Mexican clubs, that's a good signing. Even if you don't know who Sergio Santos is, mm-hmm. even if he's not going to sell a ton of jerseys or you know stuff like that. Yeah, I, think I mean that's if, fine. If, if you know if he's on you know league MXE radar, then yeah, no, that's absolutely a good sign. And and the fact that. You know, Ernie. You know, Ernie. Uh, Ernie. Correct. Uh, Ernst did the. Uh, you know, the it was, it was the charm offensive that got him. You know, and, and that I mean that speaks well of, of Tanner and his ability to get players. And and I was during the Stewart error, and he you know smacked me down for it when I mentioned it to him in one interview. But I said they were you know very Euro facing, and they're not really South America facing when there's value there, and you know has. And they're doing that now, and I mean that the, the first big signing of his era is a valuable, probably you know, underappreciated asset coming out of South America. Do you, do you guys see? A, I mean, you mentioned that Ernst has obviously a lot of connections, and, and even to smaller clubs in Europe. Mm-hmm. Is there more of a possibility to bring in loan players because of that? Because it's it's not really been. A, I mean, outside of Dostoevsky last year, it's not been a thing that the union has been about. I and, think, and MLS in general doesn't bring in a lot of full season loans. Well, some clubs do. I think yeah. I think Portland has done that. I believe Milano came in on an on a loan, and Blanco might yeah. have. I mean, there's Armin a handful Harrow's of guys that always yeah, do, but it's not a huge yeah, thing in MLS compared yeah. to other leagues. I think what makes the union attractive for loan deals is the fact that you have young guys and you don't want to block them long term. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't think you want to bring in a. Tw- I don't think you want to pay a premium for a guy like Albert Rusnak. At however old he is, 22, 23, as your number 10, knowing that you have two number 10s that you are pretty high on in the system. I don't think you want to bring in a left back who's in his early 20s uh, or mid 20s who is an established pro and is going to be coming here uh, to kind of play for a long time. You know, you don't want to bring in Greg Garza to be your left back when you think that Real is going to be your guy of the future. So I think that opens opportunities. For maybe short-term type loan deals, you know, one or two years, guys that you can come in that are going to be good professionals. Um, you know, I almost view, I almost view Tranquillo Barnetta as almost a loan deal. Mm. When you really think about it because he was here for eighteen months. All right. was, I mean, it was a short stint. For, I think Ristigata was a, you know, he was a loan deal. Well, yeah, well, yeah I I, about I, it. I yeah. Think, I, there's a reason for that. I, yeah. I think that there, I think that there are possibilities to do that mm-hmm. and bring these guys in and still retain some of their value 
you know, mm-hmm. with some guys, you're, I think you have the purchase option that you can bring in on that loan, but I think you want to bring in guys that are not going to be, that are going to be productive in a good way and not obstructionist. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that's, makes sense. And you have a guy that, you know, coming from the Euro system that can probably finagle those loans, hopefully. With it, with yeah, I yeah. think I think you do. I think, I'm interested to see if he does. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah, I mean, he's got the network, obviously, and it would be interesting if they could make that happen. Um, the other bit of union news that happened, and uh, also national team news, B.J. Callahan moving on to the U.S. national team and working on Greg Berhalter. The, oh, I was B.J. here for? He's, he's a good, good chunk of time, right? I think he's been here. I think he was probably made full-time the first season, Curtin's first mm-hmm. full season. So that would have been he was hired in fourteen. So he's been here at least four years. Yeah. Uh, I think he's had a lot of different roles here. Uh, it's interesting. I think BJ is someone that you don't uh, grasp the full extent of what he does behind the scenes because he is kind of a quiet guy. He doesn't have the name recognition that uh, you know, say Pat Noonan or guys like that have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he is a big part of what they've been able to do. He does a lot of the work with some of the young defenders. He's the one that's out there, kind of teaching them. Afterwards, he's right. done a lot of work there, and I think that's what's really attracted him to the national team staff. That kind of uh, that aspect of it, I, I think. Uh, what I've heard from some people is that he's also a lot of the brains behind game planning mm-hmm. um, and breaking down other teams' tape and stuff like that, which to me is very interesting because Jim Curtin didn't do a lot of game plan, didn't do a lot of playing matchups in the past. He was yeah. always very much, "This is my squad, and we're going to do that." I think Ernst now is going to compel more of that kind of matchup. You know, if if, if you've got a if you've got a you know so and so team doesn't have the best guy in the left flank, so we are going to use Imbezo in this game as opposed to Gaddis because Imbezo is going to be able to push him back, which is not something that Curtin has done in the past. Even if do you, you mean know, the union's going to situationally adjust? I, it's possible that that's going Crazy. to happen. That, this is more breaking news. This yes. is this is incredible. <laughs> I, I think that's as I understand the early rudiments of the Ernst Tanner doctrine. Yeah. I think that's. It, it sounds like it's, it's part so, of it. It's so funny because you get so some of the things he says, Ernst. You can almost hear the not exasperation, but like, well, why were you guys doing it like this? Kind of attitude, like, and that's refreshing. Yeah, because that, yeah. That, that that attitude has been needed right, for well, a while. You know why? I mean. <laughs> Why with doing... all due respect to the people that are in charge of the union and have been for a while, that attitude has yielded exactly zero playoff wins. Right. Yeah, and 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 it, it's it's it is refreshing, and I think his and you know I mentioned it before, and I don't think Ernie did not want to win, but the fact that the first thing that came out of Tanner's mouth was trophies, winning, standings. This is how you measure success in soccer, mm-hmm. not developing, not academy, not which is. Which you need, which is great, and you know they're in a good place, and I think you do credit Ernie with with some of that kind of making the pathway easier. I think, you know, yeah, that kind of talk's only possible because when Ernie stepped in, none of the young guys were taking concrete steps forward. And right. now, under Ernie's watch, you have guys making the move to the first team, not just for minutes, but to flourish in the mm-hmm. first team. And now those guys are taking steps to the national team. Right. And now Ernst gets to do the next step of that, which is turn that foundation into mm-hmm. a winning edifice. Hopefully. In theory. In th- again, theoretically. So I mean, Ernst, I, you know, you look around MLS, and the one thing that struck me about what Ernst has done 
in the last few weeks. If you look at the trades he's made in MLS, he seems to be very adept at kind of reading the room in that, mm-hmm. okay, Cincinnati wants draft picks. We don't have the need for draft picks. How do we leverage their strategy against them? And they got money out of that. Right. Colorado, I don't know what Colorado's doing. <laughs> They're acquiring guys that know how to play in the league. I think, right. I think that's after, it. After last year, just going and grabbing random guys. <laughs> yeah. I read about Yannick Boley on a website three years ago. Let's get him. Let's get these guys named Mason and Doyle from England. And let now they're doing what Orlando City did last year, which that didn't go poorly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that has its own thing of like, let's get a bunch of MLS effective guys, mash them all together and see what yeah. happens. Ernst is reading that and saying, okay, they're doing that. They're going to give us two years of Keegan Rosenberry's salary for Keegan Rosenberry. I find it interesting and I find it very perceptive. And I know that this isn't just Ernst, but I think part of this is coming from Chris Albright and from Jim Curtin and guys like that. Mm-hmm. The way that they're finding these niches, right. we're starting to see that happen. And Jay Sugarman has talked and talked about a lot of these things. The word bloviating comes to mind because it was hollow a lot of times of we're going to find these niches. How do you really and, feel about it? Well, and it was always like, well, we're going to be good at throw-ins. We're going to try and keep the ball and not give it to the other guy. Andrew Wenger dribbling out of bounds, don't do that. Like, it's really simple <laughs> things. Now we're at the higher order things, and I find it interesting the way that Ernst Tanner is kind mm. of progressing through the next kind right. of higher order functions. And that, I think that's an interesting yeah, And you, one. you do feel like, again, this is just, you know, impressions from a distance that he might be one of the smarter guys in the room, like when he's kind of sitting down and working these things through. And that, I at least want to believe that. Yeah, exactly. And he, he just has that... You feel like he has that kind of just institutional knowledge that he's bringing with him. How yeah, I, to how to work how to work the other guy, which I've said this about the union forever. They've never done anything from a position of strength, right? And and it's and it's a trademark. Rarely, anyway, and it's a rarely. trademark. It's, and the other thing is, is that and this is why I question how much of this is Tanner and how much of it's the people mm-hmm. um, around him and whether or not that distinction is even meaningful, really, because everyone's on the same team for now, at least. Right. Um, that perceptiveness, that is an entirely – this is the, you know trading this. This is a pretty American thing that he's figuring his way through. Right. And pretty early on, I think he's making some really good decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think it's – you know I asked him in the conference call, like this is a pretty bold decision to trade away your entire draft. And I, I, yeah. I kind of wondered like did anyone in the room say, no, we can't do that. You can't trade away an entire draft. That's just not the way it's yeah. done. It's not American. Even if on paper it's a good decision. So it will be interesting to see – how that works moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think another way that you're, you you might see it is that he is at times going to start an entire back four where everybody is 21 years or younger, right. which is not something that happens. And But if they're the most talented guys and if they have the talent, he's going to do it. And he's mm-hmm. going to, I would think, give his coach the leeway to say, no, start these guys. Yeah. And we'll deal with the consequences and, and when it happens. I think you, you hit it. You know, the old way has produced zero playoff wins, three playoff appearances, some disastrous seasons where you, you've squandered your resources and your talent. Um, so a guy coming in and say, okay, we're not doing it like that anymore. And, and you, you got to think the people are, that are there and kind of kind of look at the kind of the mess around them and say, yeah, we, we, we're not. We can't. We we can't keep going like this because we're not getting anywhere. So to have a guy just identify these things and say, our academy's strong, we don't need the draft. 
you know, for whatever reason, I think we maxed out Keegan. Mm-hmm. We could get cash for him. You know, I don't 100 percent agree with that, but you know, I, I, in the long term, it's, it might work out, and it's probably going to work out. Um, and and giving the coach finally, I think, the flexibility to be a coach game day and not have to be married to a system and to again change with the situation, change with the game and game plan and work matchups, which you know the union. To roll your guys out and say, you know, this is how we're playing, you got to be really damn good to do that. You got to be Atlanta good. And the union's not Atlanta good. And they're, they're going to have to play matchups and they're going to have to play to, to, to succeed. And, you know, they finally have that flexibility and that freedom to see that. Hopefully it works out. And I think the next step with that is to say, we have these benefits, but let's not rest on them. I want, I would. And I, I know a lot of union fans are are interested in this as well. But me, from a neutral perspective, I would like to see what Jim Curtin could do with a top five roster in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. He has never had a no, no. roster in the top half of the Eastern Conference. I think we can all agree. Yeah. And I would hope that the ownership group is not looking at this and saying, "Wow, look at how we overachieved last year." That means that we don't have to spend as much as these other. We have to, we can spend this much fewer and still depend on that. Like. Don't do that. Spend the money, invest it, and see if you can overachieve on instead of a middle of the pack. What if you, instead of a bottom of the middle of the pack expenditure, what can you do with an high middle of the pack expenditure and overachieve on that? And not, see only, what that can not only that, but actually use the midseason window, which they didn't do for two years. You're allowed which, to do which, that? Which, yeah, I think you can do that. Which, which I think was a good I think you can. <laughs> In both cases, was a complete disservice to the team because two years ago, they Needed were a ten. They were inch, inching closer to the playoffs. The guy they signed in the summer was, I think, Jan Ekra. Jan Ekra. Jan Ekra. Oh, yeah, that's a deep dive. That yeah. is a deep. Where dive. Does, where does that fall on the Philly soccer page? Like a uh, list of players. Oh, yeah. Peter, Peter Andrews. Yeah. Calling Peter but, Andrews. But to, uh, okay, you might be making my point for me, but no, that's not true. They signed. They signed. I mean, the last time they signed guys in the summer was Valdez and. Rice and Bowley. Right. And they got they got Trinquio and they got Justin Mapp, I think, uh in a trade, but I think that was like a mid season acquisition. He turned, he was a pretty good player. For that me. was almost ten years ago. I, the, again, making my point. Yeah. But um but I I mean they have to identify again, situationally they have to identify where they are at different stages in the season and say, you know, we need X and that could push us over and that could push us up the table. Where it was obvious to everybody that they needed something Pushed them higher up the table both last year and the year before, and they just didn't make a move. So, before we wrap up, can we talk one, one more thing we, with the union kits? Can we talk about kits? Uh, sure. Kit talk. Kit talk. Kit talk. Kit talk. I hate. I hate the kits. <laughs> the kits suck. Um, I, like, I I don't mind the blue. I, the, 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 I like the white. I, the blue. I, I like the, the blue bimbo jersey. is better. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Think it, it's, it's not just, good. It, it fits more, and I'm, I'm and, and it uh, took I, too long to get here. I, honestly, I'm, I'm surprised uh, Bimbo agreed to it because I know they wanted something that pops. I, I think yeah. a lot of, and, and it's just not for the union. I think a lot of kit design is driven by your sponsor mm-hmm. and what what they want and how they want to be presented. And, and the word Bimbo on the front of the shirt <laughs> doesn't pop. <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I, I think because no one has ever been walking down a street and going, why does your shirt say bimbo? Yeah. No, that's never popped. You know what I'm trying to say. I know. Are okay. you going to get an angry Are you gonna get an angry email from Bimbo? Uh, we, uh, probably. I think we, times? we 
uh, and we went off a few sponsors, I think, on the show a few times. And uh, anyway, yeah, we do like English do we, muffins. Though. Do they do, they do anything that? with KYW? Do you work with Bebo? Uh, um, Bebo? You know, they're such a big company at some level. Maybe okay. Uh, honestly, and maybe I won't. We love we love we love your stuff. You guys want to send bread? Yeah. <laughs> We love free bread. Anyway, um, and, and Mike, Mike and I have spoken about, about this a lot. It, it, it's just a, a white kid again. And white I, kid not, is so boring. I mean, I'm not crazy Adidas about has what... been phoning them in for about five years. They they're they're picking out their their 18 year old interns and going, "How do you feel about MLS?" Yeah, I mean, you've got MLS. Bad, not as bad as that LAFC black kit though, which is. Uh, just a black shirt. I think I saw that one. Really? It's just a black shirt. That's yeah. that's not exciting. It is. Some of the, you're right. There are some MLS kits that look as though, you know, in a movie where you don't get the rights. I've said this joke before, on Twitter, <laughs> but in the movie where you don't get the rights <laughs> yeah. for an official jersey, and then yeah. you have to put in like a placeholder jersey. Mm-hmm. That's basically what some of them yeah. look like. Yeah. Well, I think I, it was uh, who was it last year? Was it like I think it was uh, Stephen Goff from uh, DC who tweeted like the picture of all the, the kits next to each other, and it's just like everybody's white and black. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. We, we, we've gotten rid of all of the color. In yeah, MLS. it's ridiculous, and, and and especially in a sport where you can often see red play blue or orange right. play blue or, 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 or yellow or, or yeah. you know something something and, like and, that. And teams that have had colors for long periods of time. I mean, the that's the, why that's why like, it's like, a great. That's why Adrian Precourt is doing all of us a service by bringing in the Austin Trees. Mm-hmm. All right. The new favorite franchise of mm-hmm. MLS, which I don't think we're going to get into that today. No. But that's a different podcast. I, yeah. I mean, you know what? If they want to upgrade, do those red, white, and blue uh, ones. Yeah. Well, like DC United. Do those. DC do United. The, the red, white, and blue unions that the, they did the warm-up for yeah. July 4th a couple those of Those were nice. Do those. But, but, those well, are fire. D- why isn't DC United's change kit red? Yeah. I mean, red's a predominant color. They've had it in the past. I mean, why... Yeah. It's probably linked to why they can't change Benny Olsen as coach. It's probably, <laughs> the probably same linked. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> not only do they not change, and we love Benny. He's same a local shirts, guy. Same shirt, same shorts, same Benny. We love Benny, local guy, and all that, but they extended him. They did. That's I, amazing. They extended him. He's yeah. going he's gonna, to he's gonna outlive RFK. <laughs> outlive RFK. He's going to outlive us all, I think. I, d- um, I, d- I do think this is the last year of the Bimbo sponsorship. I think they're going into the last year, yeah. So. I think, I, I, I know that there's been. Lots of debates and everybody has yeah, an opinion. It's, it's, it's time to move on from that because if you're interested in ever selling a soccer jersey to someone that's not a diehard diehard Union fan, you're never going to get it done with a shirt that says Bimbo on the front. It's um and you know there's such and you have companies in this this city that that I mean I think people point to Comcast. I've always said put Wawa on there. Oh, you yeah. know you what? Sell people a trillion love Wawa, Wawa in Philadelphia. Wawa. You'll sell a trillion you, you shirts. Would sell, you would. You would. Sell, you would sell them at Wawa. You know what? Yeah. You can go into Delco, put Royal Farms, or put uh, put Swiss Farms there on there. You go for, you know, there you go. There you go. Dig deep into the Delco, yeah. man. Um, but just, I mean, whatever. No, but they're, they're, you're right. I mean, there there are there are enough corporate citizens in Philadelphia that you can get a Comcast, you can get a Wawa, you yeah. can get you know Blue I mean, Cross Blue Shield. I mean, you sure. can get. Something I I I I'm sticking with Wawa because I think, I think that's be the, the sexiest. One. People love Wawa, I think Wawa in this area. I think Wawa People would, be would great. buy a shirt that says Wawa on it. I would the... buy a shirt that was sponsored by Sid Booker Shrimp Lounge. <laughs> or sh- Sid a... Booker Shrimp Corner. I'm where, sorry. Where is that? Uh, it's on it's on Ogant's. I think it's up, <laughs> okay. it's, up it's on the way to LaSalle. Um, okay. I, I would go, buy. I don't that. go that way a lot. I, I would buy that. But iconic businesses like there you that. go. Primo yeah. hoagies. There you go. There's another one. That'd yeah, good primo one. hoagies. That primo would be great. Hoagies. But there's. I mean, I think I'm, I'm enough... against Comcast because people hate Comcast. Well, okay, but there's enough. But I mean, there's enough corporate citizenship in Philadelphia yes. that you could be able to. 
and, and, and for some of these companies, it would be, probably be money they don't even know it's called. It would be like they could, it could be some kind of tax write-off. If, like, if, if you, you got, if you got, would be exact, yeah, yeah. 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 If, well, even with going, I'm sorry, I'm going to stick with Wawa here. Okay. If, 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 if don't take any money from Wawa because you're losing money on Bimbo. No matter what they're giving you, the amount of shirts that you're not selling because they say Bimbo on the front. But you would be totally offset by people just buying a Wawa. But you're jersey. getting free. You're getting free bread at games. Are we? I'm not. I mean, I, you're I, not. I, but there are. No, I've seen bread it. At games. I've seen it happen. Okay. Yeah. I've seen people. You just see like 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 the restaurant we, style loaves walking yeah. down the. <laughs> oh, yeah. walking we back could use those in the press box because there's never a vegetarian option. I'm sorry. I could use just some bread. Yeah, just just a salad. The, guy, the guys, the guys, salad. the guys will tell you how sad my meals are. Salad every if week. You ever, if you ever need Servetio in the press box. Just, just look for the guy just eating a stack of bread straight <laughs> out of the bag. I'm just upset they don't That's do turkey it. anymore. I haven't done turkey in a while. The, the press box turkey. Was I, was, I, I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the, the breakfast games. Oh no, those are the, great. The, which I think, but I have to be awake early in the morning, so that's that's a bit that's of a, the so first, we get our Saturday nights. Yeah, that's the first uh, well, first game of the year is a one o'clocker. Oh, it'll be that that's that that be that so cold. Oh, yeah, first week of March. First week of March is going to be brutal. It'll um, be us and 9,500 of our friends. I, I, <laughs> I think we've, um, oh, before we go, we, we got to uh, drag our buddy, uh, Adam Can. Oh. Uh, our good friend, Adam he, Can. Who, he, he invited me to the, the Bruins Flyers <laughs> game tonight, but I didn't want to interrupt his date with Fang. Um, yeah, Adam's doing great work with the union, and he's also doing videos with Fang. So <laughs> we love you, Adam. Can't wait to have you back on the show. Yeah. And definitely read his stuff and support what he does for the team. Because and he, and he watch the videos. And please. watch the videos because he gives great he's insight trying. and all that. But He's interviewing yeah. Ernst Tanner from his basement. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ernst's think. basement or Adam's basement? <laughs> I think it was Adam's. There's, I'm not sure. Maybe Adam's isn't yeah, that nice. We've gone completely <laughs> off the rails here, so I think we'll wrap it up. Uh, Matt the George, please tell the faithful out there where they can find your stuff. Oh, boy. Well, he's deleting follow- his Twitter after, t- after yesterday. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsDoctorMD. You can find me at DelcoTimes.com, or you can find my work at The Athletic. Uh, subscribe to The Athletic mm-hmm. Philadelphia. It's me and Dave Zeitland. Uh, we got some... Fun stuff planned coming up. So yeah, uh, Dave Zeitlin, great guy. He's uh, he's got a new gig now too. He right? is. Yeah. He's got a dream gig. He's a big guy. Job, he's Dave. big. He's big with pen yeah. now, uh, which is what he's always wanted. So yeah. God bless you, Dave and Mike Servideo. Tell the people where you're at. You can you can still find me at Mike Servideo. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also the Academy of Natural Sciences on Twitter. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, you can you can read about soccer at Philly Soccer. You page. did something that I reacted to a couple weeks ago on the, on the Academy. Oh, the the typo of species. That was that was a big thing. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, starting a new year. Uh, love to hear from the listeners. If you want to hook us, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, leave us a review if you're into that kind of thing. Give us a review. Yeah, give us a review on Only iTunes. Only if it's nice, though. Give us a review on iTunes. We always appreciate that. Three stars help, are better. Help helps helps the helps the pot out. It helps our visibility. Um, and you know we're starting a new year. It's 2019. Again, a lot of question marks with the union, but we'll be with you with you the whole time, and uh, we're hoping for some success. So, uh, catch you soon.